Um, so from our perspective, you know, what we do is best organize the world's shopping information, no matter what form it's in. We think that people come to Google to get that sort of unbiased, really comprehensive type of response. And the opportunity ahead lies, you know, really in our ability to understand and organize all of this content in a way that makes sense for consumers. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. A few weeks ago, Google held its third annual search on event. During said event, the tech giant unveiled a multitude of new ways it's trying to make search, translation, navigation, and online discovery a whole lot seamless. Actually, if we're being specific, the word they used quite a bit was natural. For retail, that means making it easier than ever for consumers to find the brands and products they want, and of course, find great ways to get them inspired. And believe me, Google delivered. I sat down with Lillian Ricon of Google to get some more details and, of course, in pure Alicia fashion, ask some follow-up questions. After all, I am by no means an expert on search engines or specifically Google, so I appreciated Lillian's transparency and of course her willingness to dig into some of the technicalities with me. Listen in because we get into nine, that's right, nine new features and there is a lot to cover. Lillian, thanks so much for being on the show and taking the time. It is great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. So Google has recently unveiled a lot of very exciting updates to its shopping capabilities. Before we get into the what, which is obviously the core of our conversation, I do want to get into the why a little bit, meaning why the updates and what have you been hearing from brands and retailers or or even consumers in terms of their behaviors that possibly are supporting new innovations and new new investments within Google. Yeah, well, so let me start with something we talked about last week at Search On. Uh, you know, people really shop on Google. We see more than, you know, a billion times a day. And as we think about our shopping product, you know, we do a ton of user research to really understand what those people expect in terms of an online shopping experience. We also work super closely with our, our merchant partners and, you know, and listen to what they have to say. And based on that, you know, our consumer product strategy is really driven by a very simple idea that shopping is about so much more than just buying. We think of shopping as the entire journey from browsing, exploring, considering, comparing. So the why behind our strategy stems from our mission to really build experiences that help in those shopping moments. And the announcements we made recently were all about making shopping more immersive, more informed, more personalized. Um, and all of that is really rooted in the feedback we see from users and the research. That's great. So as Senior Director of Product for Shopping, how do you collaborate with your team and even other functions to essentially drill into these trends, build the roadmap, and of course, figure out when and how to take action there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the consumer product lead for shopping on Google, um, but I work incredibly closely with our merchant product leads. 
it's our goal really for all of Google Shopping products to trigger a flywheel effect that benefits the whole commerce ecosystem. So both the consumers and the merchants together. And as product lead, you know, collaboration and staying ahead of the insights is key. We start planning actually really early on and cross-functionally, you know, with UXR, with our data team. To really look at this research I mentioned, look at how users are using our products to determine where are the highest impact areas for us to really have a great experience for consumers. And and that's how we essentially develop our roadmap. Got it. So there are nine new features that we're going to get into today, which is great. But the foundation of it all, so to speak, is the shopping graph. So for those who don't know, what is the shopping graph and how is it powering the Google Shopping experience for end users? Yeah, great question. Well, maybe before diving into the graph, I want to make sure, you know, it's super helpful, I think, for people to understand that how we think about this. And again, as I mentioned, we spend a lot of time talking to consumers, but maybe just backing up, we think of shopping on Google, you know, really as an ecosystem, as I mentioned. So we're not a retailer, we're not a marketplace. Instead, we're, we're really trying to enable this flywheel. I mentioned this commerce ecosystem flywheel made up of buyers and sellers. And we think of our mission really as connecting those buyers to sellers. The shopping graph is really critical because It is this AI-driven data set that really understands products, sellers, brands, and inventory across the world, right? And so when you think about this, the announcement we made was this year, this has grown from 24 billion to 35 billion product listings in the shopping graph. So this increased by 10 billion in the last year, you know, seeing nearly 50% increase in the products that Google really understands across the web. And so what that means is that we now understand 35 billion products across the web to essentially power this better shopping experience, you know, not just as you buy, but also as you browse, explore, research, discover, and go through the whole shopping journey. And to answer your second question, you know, a new feature I'm super excited about that will help people unlock this great shopping experience on Google is something we announced last week, which is when you search using the word shop now, followed by whatever you're looking for, you'll kind of trigger this like beautiful display of products, lifestyle imagery, some of the features I mentioned last week around buying guides. And anyways, yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll talk about some of those other features. But but yeah, we're really excited about this being a really simple way for consumers to be able to trigger this shoppy experience. Yeah, there is definitely a lot of really fun and I think valuable new features that make the whole experience a lot more inspirational, I guess you sh- you could say, for those end users. So I had the chance to dig into the announcements, dig into all of the details. So I do want to ask some follow-up questions just to make sure we understand and, and our audience understands how all of this is working and how it all impacts them. So there are three themes, I guess you could say, or or guiding principles for the new features, which I really appreciate. I like a good way of breaking down and categorizing everything. So the first is more visual ways to shop. So I think it's no surprise that consumers are gravitating towards these more visual experiences. They want a bit more context. And obviously, visuals, powerful visuals are, are key to all of that. So Google has a new shop the look feature that inspires people when they're looking at apparel. So I guess my follow-up question for you is how does this curation come to life, especially because like 
I know for myself personally, like it's not all just from like one brand, right? It's like a mixing and matching of brands, high end, fast fashion. It's it's basically a mishmash, right? So like, how does this come to life for the end user? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, just explaining Shop the Look, first of all, is a new visual feature that will be unlocked uh, when people shop on Google. And the example I like to give is one of the favorite things I like to shop for, which is a bomber jacket. So you could imagine if you go to Google and you search for bomber jacket, this Shop the Look unit it will show you essentially lifestyle images of people wearing bomber jackets with other things clearly and enabling you to in some ways shop the look right shop the pants or the shoes or the or the belt that you know the person is wearing and as you said each of these products could come from different merchants and you know they're not paid experiences the way that the tool works is we use machine learning we use the shopping graph as i mentioned to prioritize images based on the relevance quality um, and freshness for what the user essentially came to Google for. So we'll show you product offers that are exact sometimes or sometimes visually similar to the product in the shop the look image. This is again goes back to understanding those 35 billion products really comes in handy because we can surface let's say more recommendations by what we see people buying, searching and etc. Okay, got it. Yeah, I was going to ask you if, if these results at all were influenced by paid opportunities. So it's all solely based on the relevance, the freshness, and like the quality of, of that content that you're recommending. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So everything is organic and, and yeah, as we just discussed. Okay, got it. Yeah, I was going to ask too, like what I found really intriguing is like everybody's kind of talking about the social media if that's even a word of like the internet, like everybody's looking for like inspiration, but inspiration that's more contextual. So is this kind of like Google's way of applying some of those new behaviors, like the fact that people are scrolling through social for this inspiration and for these like looks that they want to shop? It seems like it's a, a very Google centric way of approaching it, but still sticking to like what makes Google distinct and valuable for the consumer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's very important for us to understand our different user segments. I talked a lot about the research that we do. You know, we spend a lot of time understanding users' needs, different segment needs, and evolving shopping preferences. And one of the things social platforms have done is really reduce the barrier for content creation. And what we see is there's now, a, like, you know, really a growing proliferation of content created by everyday people, right? So whether that's a styling session in YouTube, you know, there's a lot of YouTube shorts, for example, that are great for this, or how to fix, like, you know, something broken in your house in a forum like Reddit. Um, so from our perspective, you know, what we do is best organize the world's shopping information, no matter what form it's in. We think that people come to Google to get that sort of unbiased, really comprehensive type of response. And the opportunity ahead lies, you know, really in our ability to understand and organize all of this content in a way that makes sense for consumers. Yeah, that's great. So how does this tie to what's trending capabilities? Because I think that's another critical element of like this contextual commerce era that we're in, it's like, okay, I want to find what I am looking for specifically, but I also want to see what others are buying and what's trending there. So how do these two things intersect? 
Yeah. So trending is another one of these units that you'll start seeing this holiday season. And the way that that it works is we have this new trending products unit that will show you products that are popular right now within that category. So for instance, it would show me in the example I was giving, you know, the top trending bomber jackets from different brands and designers that are hot right now. It's dynamic, but changes in real time to reflect what people are searching for. Again, all algorithmic. And we define trending as products that, you know, essentially meet a certain threshold of an increase in in searches. You know, so we look at how people are using search to to highlight what are other people are looking for. That's great. And, and I do want to go back to a feature that you briefly mentioned earlier around how consumers can add the word shop now to a specific term or phrase to get a visual feed, research tools, nearby inventory, a whole lot of stuff. So can you kind of dig into this experience a little bit and I guess the rationale behind it? Like, were you finding that consumers were looking for more action-oriented and contextual product search results? Yeah, yes. Well, so first of all, yeah, the feature is basically the ability to add shop to your query um, to guarantee you triggering this like really visual shoppable search experience by searching uh, shop first. You know, you can clearly signal when you have a shopping intent and Google can provide you the best sort of shopping experience. I sometimes actually compare this this behavior to how people use uh, near me. So today we see, you know, this was something we introduced a few years ago, but if you want to trigger like a local result, like restaurants near me, et cetera, it's really become something that users understand. And it's kind of like a universal way to signal to search that you want something near you. And in the same way, we we were inspired by this and, and we want this to the shop thing to be, you know, a way that people can quickly and easily tell Google they're really trying to shop. And again, this is directly in Google.com. I know we also have a shopping tab. And so I just want to make clear, like, this is directly on Google search. Got it. Yeah, I think that parallel with near me is really important to note because I know I personally use that all the time when I'm searching for something that like if I want something local or close or, or immediate, it seems like it adds that extra level of intent, I guess you could say. Like if I put shop, it's like, no, I definitely want to buy this thing or I am in need of this thing quickly. So the final element within this pillar is 3D imagery. So I have to say, we've been covering a bit more in this space, 3D images, you know, how it impacts the customer experience. I am by no means an expert on it. So I I do want to make sure we touch on this so I understand, as well as our audience, I guess really the impact or the value of 3D imagery on customer experiences, overall conversions, and how Google is kind of providing this support for merchants since it does kind of it takes a lot of time and resources to create these images, right? So so why did you guys decide to go this extra step in offering this service? Yeah, so I mean, just backing up, as, as I mentioned earlier, we really think of Google as creating this flywheel. In this case, right, 3D, something that a lot of the research told us, especially during the pandemic, right? Like people just want to, they're shopping more online, but they want to experience more of the in-person feeling online. And so this went into a lot of the emphasis on 3D. Earlier this year, actually, we rolled out 3D home goods. So for example, if you search for sofas or some other category, you may run into this where you see 3D home goods directly within search. And what we found actually was that people really engage much more with these. They engage actually 50% more with these 3D assets than with static ones. So we 
you know, we're excited about this. And this is why we decided to choose another category for something that people like to shop a lot of, which is 3D shoes, you know? And so later this year, you know, you'll start seeing 3D models of, of sneakers from every angle right within search. And, and this is great for shoppers, as we just saw, but also great for merchants because they can get more qualified traffic to their sites. And as you say, it's, it's worth noting that this is hard sometimes for merchants. You know, some merchants have already this kind of imagery available, but but for many others, especially smaller merchants, you know, creating these 3D assets today can be very expensive and time consuming. A lot of the models today require hundreds of product photos and often really costly and unique technology. And so the other announcement we made last week was this sort of breakthrough in how Google will also help merchants create and show off their products in 3D much more efficiently and cost effectively. So you know, with our innovations in machine learning and actually partnering with some of the universities, Berkeley, San Diego, we, we can now automate 360 degree spins of merchant products just using a handful of, of still photos. So in the past, you know, doing something like this would take hundreds of photos and now we can do this with just a handful. And so the way that it works is we have this new ML model. It's like leading edge and it just takes a handful of photos and it creates this compelling 3D representation of an object in this case, a shoe. This new model, as I mentioned, builds on the neural radiance fields or something that's called NERF, if you look it up. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a paper that is written in collaboration, as I mentioned, with UC Berkeley, UC San Diego, and Google. Very interesting. So I do want to make sure we get into the next category because we, we have two more to go through. So the next one that I found especially interesting was the tools that you're offering to help drive consumer confidence, which I think is something that we're hearing more and more, like consumers want to feel confident they're making the right decision. Access doesn't seem to be the problem, right? Like there are so many ways to discover brands, find products, but it's like, okay, is this the exact product that I need? Does it meet my needs? Is it a high quality product? Like there are so many ways to dissect this decision-making process now. So can you take a little bit into the buying guide capabilities, how your team figured out like what should or could be in these buying guides and kind of who who manages and uploads all of this content? Because I feel like there are a few layers here probably that we can get into. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so, so the example I gave is, you know, I think for these sort of complex research heavy type journeys where you kind of need to dig into all the details, we did announce this product called the buying guide. The inspiration, honestly, I'm sure you've had moments like this. My most recent example this summer was my nine-year-old going into the summer camp and me finding out two weeks before that he needed a mountain bike. Oh, and, no. you know, yeah. And so it was to buy something like that for a child, right? You know, it requires like tons of research, looking at many articles, uh, in my case, having many tabs on my computer open and days of looking at this and trying to figure out what's the best product, let's say, for my kid and the situation. And so for these type of like really complex shopping decisions that I'm sure many of us have that require a lot of research, the buying guide we're hoping can be really helpful because it collects the most helpful insights from a wide range of trusted sources so that, you know, in the example I gave, I can see all the answers to the questions about kids' mountain bikes all in one place so that I can have make my decision more quicker, hopefully, and, and make this decision with confidence. And so 
to answer your second question, you know, the way that it works is we aggregate insights about what topics are important to consider for a particular shopping category across, again, using our shopping graph, multitude of sources across the web, including articles, product reviews, user reviews. And like the rest of search, we rank topics and results in this space according to many different signals for relevance and usefulness. Okay, got it. So so quick follow-up question there, and this may be a silly question, but how does this tie, if at all, to SEO strategy? Are these two different things? Do they not play together at all? Because I've been hearing a lot about like the value of content and of course the impact on SEO and like how brands and retailers need to be thinking about that stuff. So are they connected? I mean, I think, you know, like I said, it's like the rest of search, this feature essentially ranks topics and results according to many signals. So, you know, I think if you use SEO to be relevant to search and to show up in search, I think we will potentially use some of those signals to highlight some of this information. But, you know, we don't, it's not a paid product and it's not something that's curated. It's all algorithmic. So yeah, hopefully that helps answer. Okay, got it. But really just emphasizing the value for the end user and just ensuring that they have all of the information that they need, which I think is really the core of good SEO, right? It's like always audience centric. So interesting. So the next one I wanted to get a little more insight on is, is page insights. So can you expand upon the value for brands and retailers here? Like, Is there anything that they need to do or can do to optimize this particular area of the experience? It seems like it's kind of more of like a curation of sorts versus anything that's brand controlled, but maybe I interpreted that wrong. Yeah, yeah. So Page Insights, it's a feature that we announced that, you know, again, for this one, you have to have the Google app. Um, So from a consumer perspective, you can trigger this. and, And what it does is it brings together helpful context about the web page, let's say, and if you're on a product, about the product you're researching. It's essentially like a layer within the Google app that would highlight what are the pros and cons and star ratings of the website, let's say, that you're on. And, you know, in the case of shopping, it also lets people opt in to get notified for price drops. And all the information a user sees is aggregated from user-generated reviews and editorial reviews that are on the web. You know, so similar to the buying guide, you know, we're using algorithms essentially to summarize information for the consumer about the web page or the product page that you're on. Um, And to address the optimization, I think part of your question, you know, given research on how useful the feature is, we've made page insights, you know, broadly available so merchants don't have to opt in to benefit from the feature. Awesome. So final area is how Google is creating more personal shopping experiences. So I think all of these things kind of work together, support each other, but of course have their own distinct value. But at a high level, what did you hear or have you been hearing from consumers in terms of experience gaps or maybe challenges that were impacting their behaviors? Like what led your team to be like, okay, we need to do more in way of personalization, or these are the areas that we we seem to be missing. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe just starting back, our goal, again, is to provide the best possible experience for users based on what we hear from them. I think in this particular case, you know, like very clearly across all segments, we heard from consumers that when it comes to shopping, they do expect personalization. 
Um, and so this was the reason that we prioritized this. Uh, we also see this in the way that people shop. And some of the things that we announced were hoping to address some of, some of the things that we're seeing. The other thing that we've heard is, is clearly some segments, I think, also really want to have clear controls. And, and so a big part of this was coupling this announcement with some of the clear controls that users have that allow them to very easily turn off personalization or, you know, edit preferences to make Google represent what they need. Yeah, that's great. I I think the more robust opt-in features and and the ability to tailor your preferences and what level of personalization you get is one area that we're hearing so much about right now. So can you expand upon what this means possibly for retailers and brands that are obviously trying to get found through Google or maybe investing in paid search and, you know, of course, their SEO strategy, you know, like what can they do to make sure that they're found in light of some of these shifts and the reality that some consumers maybe want to pair back on those personalization elements. Got it. Yeah. I mean, so maybe let me back up and explain this so that it's it's really clear. You know, I think the example that I gave last week really highlights two areas we're starting personalization and shopping in. One is using the whole page filters and being able to make the department preference sticky. So today, to give you the example, you know, if I search for jeans, the whole page filters will have, you know, choices like women, men, kids, right? And oftentimes I go to Google and I'm shopping for myself and I choose women. And so it's a very repetitive thing that every time I come to Google, I have to set. And so now we're basically telling users, if you would like, you can make that sticky, right? And so the next time I don't have to, I don't have to type women. It just knows that when I type jeans, you know, I'm talking about women jeans, So that's one example. The other example of explicit personalization that we're enabling is brands, you know, and so I'm sure that, you know, Alicia, you and I maybe have maybe some similar brands, but maybe some not so similar brands. And so we're giving users the choice if they want, again, to tell us like, again, for the query called jeans, you know, like what are the brands that maybe I prefer? Now we will not update the entire search experience only to take these signals into account. So for example, if I, if I tell, you know, Google, my favorite jean brands are Levi's, I'm not, you know, next time I type jeans, I'm not just going to see Levi's. So we will also show similar brands, but in an effort to create a more curated, tailored experience for the consumer, we will, we will use some of those signals. Does that make sense? Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like a blending of different methods. So you do want to make sure that You are showing the consumer, yes, like we hear you, we know that these are your preferences, so here you go. But also here are some other similar brands or similar styles that kind of support that discovery mission as well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, excellent. So obviously there, I mean, everyone is always like wondering, okay, how do you get consumers on board with this? Obviously the value is they're kind of getting the best of both worlds here. So they can find what they want quickly and easily, but if they do want to go down that rabbit hole, so to speak, and discover a new brand or try a new brand, they have that power to it as well. Exactly. Yeah. And I think to your second question, you know, I think it's important if brands want to participate to use Merchant Center and submit a lot of visual assets, right? Everything that I've talked about means we're evolving search to be much more inspiring and much more visual. 
And so to have a, an opportunity to show up, I think that becomes more and more important now. So everything from lifestyle images, you know, richer images, even the 3D stuff that we were talking about, if you have enough of these images, then maybe you can participate in the pilot to create the 3D spin. So hopefully that helps. No, this is great. And I know that there were a lot of announcements and a lot of supporting content and background for all of these. So thank you so much, Lillian, for walking through all of them with us and answering my questions. I appreciate it. But is there anything that we haven't gotten into yet? I mean, we have a few minutes. So any gaps, any areas we didn't cover yet that you think are important to call out, knowing that, of course, our audience, our brand and retail executives who, of course, rely on Google and their consumers use Google. So is there any Anything that we missed that you want to get into? Yeah, no, I mean, maybe just doubling down on what I was mentioning. I think we strongly encourage brands to take advantage of Merchant Center, Google Merchant Center, you know, merchants, you know, even those that use platforms like Shopify or WooCommerce can list their products for free in just a few clicks. We want to make sure that merchants, you know, keep in mind that we only surface high quality results to shoppers. So the best thing to do to optimize for discoverability is, is by sharing details that are helpful to a shopper's experience. So I mentioned rich data, but also things like detailed shipping information, again, high quality imagery, detailed descriptions. It's always important, you know, to include information that sets your brand apart too. So if you have like a loyalty program that can help in attracting existing loyal customers, you know, that's also something that would help. And we're always listening to users, as I mentioned, through research and insights with this goal of, of being most helpful. So yeah, hopefully that helps. That's amazing. So to close out, Lillian, is there anything else going on at Google? I mean, that's probably a silly question. There's always something going on at Google, but is there anything that we should be keeping an eye on? Um, especially, you know, we're soon getting into deep dive holiday mode, 2023 planning. Anything else our listeners should take note of? No, I definitely would love feedback, right? So use Google to shop and tell us what you think about all the new features as they come live this holiday season. Awesome. And to that end, we also will be sure to continue the conversation on social media at Twitter at our touchpoints on LinkedIn at retail touchpoints. We'll uh, tag Lillian as well. So if there are any follow up questions or areas that our listeners want to dig into, we'll be sure that we continue the conversation. But for now, Lillian, thank you again so much. I know it's been a busy few weeks and you basically did a deep dive into what you just shared <laughs> with the general public a little while ago. So appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having me. And to all of you, like I said, let's continue the conversation. It's always interesting to hear, you know, how consumer behaviors are changing and, of course, you know, how technology is facilitating product discovery and, of course, uh, better customer experience. So let's continue the chat there. And, of course, if you have any feedback for us on this episode or the series as a whole, drop us a line on your preferred podcast player on the show page. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else we are likely there. And be sure to subscribe. We have new conversations coming your way every week. And subscribing means that you get it first. But for now, that is it. Thanks again to Lillian and thanks to all of you. We will see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.